ready to talk some sports. I think these two guys are Ronnie O, Coach Joe, in the Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe here in the Ozone. Man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. And uh, if you like sports, if you like basketball, if you like NFL football, we're going to have some of it this weekend for you. You can listen to the Bucks this Sunday as they host the Los Angeles Rams. The Bucks are going to kick off at 3 p.m. And, of course, at 2 p.m., the pregame will be on right here on 96.7 WLKF. Right down the dial on Saturday, the Gators host the Vanderbilt Commodores at 1 o'clock in college basketball. That's a 1 o'clock tip, 12.30 pregame. Monday, the Gators will travel to Ole Miss, where they'll take on the Rebels, 7 p.m. tip, 6.30 pregame on WONN, 107.1. And Wednesday, the Gators will travel to Tennessee to take on the Volunteers, 6 p.m. tip-off, 5.30 pregame. Coach Joe, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays controversial plan to split their home schedule with the city of Montreal was scrapped by Major League Baseball officials earlier this week. Stuart Sternberg, owner of the Rays, called it flat-out deflating. I think it's a great decision myself, and maybe it'll force Tampa to come up with something, a stadium proposal that the Rays like. What took them so long? I agree. (laughs) You know, the uh, Major League Baseball trying very hard to self-destruct lately uh, with this lockout going on. But here they obviously can see that this is an unworkable idea, one that, that, that um, and they really don't want to set a precedent for that. It, you know, they generally, you know, we talk about how uh, maybe baseball is not as popular as it used to be, but the uh, in, in-game attendance is generally very good at a lot of major league places. Now, there are exceptions. This is one of them. And the problem isn't that there aren't enough fans. Nor is it winning. They're winning. Yeah, no, and they have a great team. They're fun to watch, and they've been winning regularly uh, for several years now. And oh, and they're in a great division, so you get great opponents that come in too. Yeah. So there's always something to see. The problem is the location. I know it prevents me from going to more games, and, and there's only a, you know you're you're in a place where it limits the number of people who are going to get to it. You look at the places that get good attendance. They're all in locations that are easy to get to. And I understand why they built the stadium when they did and where they did, and they wanted to get a team. But that's uh, 25 years ago now. And it's it's uh, in a few years they're going to have to leave the truck. They're, that, they're stuck in that lease right now, but there's enough time to put a decent uh, stadium somewhere in Hillsborough County and they'll get great attendance, and they don't need to spend half the season in Montreal. Right. What I fear is that the compromise, because Pinellas County isn't going to give up easily, is the compromise is going to put it further west than it needs to be. And essentially what you've done is you've traded Bradenton, got that instead of Orlando. The further east you go with it, the better chance you have of drawing from Orlando, and we don't need to tell you what the population of those two areas is. (laughs) Are is because that's basically what they did, and like you say, I understand why it's where it is. And but again, it was a war between Tampa and St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg has always felt like, hey, we're little brother, and Tampa Bay looks down at us, and uh, that's why they did that. Well, you look at where population is growing, growing heavily, and anybody who's been on our four lately would know this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Orlando has gotten so big that 
a lot of people live in northeastern Polk County. Uh, it is a very heavily growing area. You're talking about places like Davenport and, and Point Santa and, and places east like that. The, uh, a short trip on I-4 to any place in Hillsboro, uh, like you, you mentioned previously where the fairgrounds are, for example, uh, or somewhere like that, and, and you would get a lot of people uh, who, who consider themselves Orlandoans, but because of logistics and stuff, they end up living in northeastern Polk County. There's a ton of people there. There's a huge population base to, to uh, draw from right up there, plus the growth we're seeing here in southern Polk County. It's, it's, a, it's immense. There, I, there, it's a chance to tap into, like you said, a huge market crossing like throughout central Florida. And then you don't have to drive through downtown Tampa at rush hour to get to the game like you do now. So, yeah. well, let's go ahead. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Robbie Andrew, who retired from the Gainesville Sun, but he has seen a lot of college football, and we're going to get a chance to share his expertise, his experiences. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hello, Les Sports fans. This is Sam Jones, 10-time NBA champion with the Boston Celtics. You're listening to Ronnie O., and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone is Racha. Talk Radio 96.7. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right. That was Sam Jones. He won 10 NBA championships, succeeded only by Bill Russell's 11. Well, speaking of outstanding all-star Hall of Famers, we have Robbie Andrew, the man, the myth, the legend, with us right now. He's probably seen more Gator games than anyone alive, except maybe Pat Dooley. Robbie, welcome back to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you again. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Robbie, uh, you've seen a lot of Gator coaches come and go, and uh, I wanted to get your opinion of Billy Napier. You know, he's such a breath of fresh air in terms of the enthusiasm and the recruiting and so forth that he's done. What's your opinion of what you've seen of him so far? Yeah, Ronnie, I think, you know, it's very positive right now. I think he's checked all the boxes, and there is an enthusiasm that was not present when Dan Mullen took the job, you know, four or five years ago. I mean, this is a guy who definitely loves to recruit. He's young. He's an up-and-comer. And, you know, people ask me why didn't they go for a more experienced guy, and I, I tell them they didn't need an experienced, proven guy. They needed an up-and-comer who's really energetic, and going to put his heart and soul into the job, and that's what we're we're seeing with Billy Napier right now. He's out there, you know, busting his butt and hiring a bunch of good coaches that know how to recruit. So, you know, they're going to close out this recruiting year pretty solid. And then you have to think that with a whole year, the next recruiting class is going to be really good, and the one after that, even better than that. No doubt about it, Robbie. How many games would you say that you have covered? Oh, Ryan, that's a tough one. I mean, because <laughs> I go back to. I go back to being a student when I covered games in like 75, 6 back then, but not every game. But, you know, in the 80s, I covered a bunch of games for the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel. And then uh, for uh, Gainesville, I, from 89, I came moved up here in 89 for the Sun Sentinel. So I co- covered every game from 89 till last season. So, wow. You know, yeah, add them up as a bunch for sure. <laughs> they all, all right. kind of run together a little bit. Well, if you'd like to speak to Robbie Andrew, give us a call at 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Robbie, what is the loudest you ever heard the swamp? My vote would go to the 1997 Florida-Florida State game, but 
I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that. What, what would your vote be? Yeah, uh, Ronnie, you're right. That was one of the, the loudest ever. But the one where I actually felt the noise in my chest was that 93 game with Charlie Ward in the swamp, and they got the big lead, FSU yeah. did. And, you know, Spurrier went for a fourth and 18 from his own one-yard line. They went down and, and scored and got back in the game. And uh, FSU had like a third and eight or whatever from their own 25 or wherever it was. And the buildup for that play, the, the noise was just incredible. It was the loudest I've ever heard. Then they threw the screen screen pass to Warwick Dunn, I think it was, and he goes all the way, and it got quiet real fast. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't remember that. I don't want yeah. to. I, I was yeah, there at 90. Before that, yeah, before that play, you could feel the noise in your chest, which I hadn't, I hadn't really experienced that before. Yeah, I remember. I was about to ask you, Robbie, about the play before that. I believe it was Kevin Carter who uh, got his hands on a on a on a quick slant. He tipped it up in the air, and he was like inches from catching it. And he had nothing but you know green grass in front of him. It would have taken it back and given us the lead. And that at that moment, that was as loud as I, I had ever heard it. Uh, along with the '91 Tennessee game and the '97 FSU game that uh, Ronnie mentioned, and uh, I know it's recent recency bias. The last time I was in the swamp was this past September. That Alabama game was incredibly yeah, hot. <laughs> yeah, the atmosphere there was great. Who would have thought that, you know, five, 10, 11 weeks later, there'd be a coaching change based on what you saw that day? So, but yeah, and, you know, that not coach show, that 91 game with Tennessee when Larry Kennedy had the pick six, the place went crazy. It did. It really was insane, and uh, it was uh, the sort of a challenge that Coach Spurrier <laughs> laid out for, for the uh, Swamp, which was just kind of had just been named the Swamp, really, in 91. And that that was amazing. That was one of my favorite games. And at least we won in 91 and 97. Those other two loud games this year and <laughs> in 93 were tough losses. But that's uh, – I know. That, those were some great, great yeah. times. But Coach, know, Joe, Coach Joe, another loud moment to me was when – Pirine went the distance on that long run against Auburn in 2018, I think it was. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was really loud then, too. I mean, Auburn people thought Florida was piping noise into the PA system. Was so loud. <laughs> well, the 06, the uh, blocked field goal, too, that was pretty darn loud. Yeah, that was very loud also. And think about how big that play was. They don't block that kick. There's no national title. You're right. Uh, yeah, it's so, so many um, amazing memories like that. And, you know, you were mentioning that, uh, we didn't think that things were going to go south so quickly this year, uh, Robbie. Tell us what happened. I mean, we're still trying to we're scratching our heads. Yeah, I think everybody is, Coach Joe. But I've heard you know rumblings from players talking about how you know after that Kentucky game where they the offense piddled around, they they played awful and it, it, there was no emotion, there was no fire. And some of the players have indicated that kind of Mullen kind of mailed it in after that, kind of gave up. And you could see that a little bit from him he didn't seem to really care that much about what was going on after that he never he seemed to lose his passion and when your coach does that it filters down to the players and you know things went went bad and just got worse as the year went on and to me it's amazing they even finished off with that win over FSU at home as bad as things have gotten but you know it's a tribute to the players to, to pick themselves up when their head coach didn't care anymore yeah, you know, it was it was tough to watch at times. And guys who I think were talented, like Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, I guess they're the big question marks as we head into next year. Emory Jones apparently is going to stay, still be a Gator. It looks like he's yeah, not he, leaving. He, yeah. For now, he is Coach Stone. I, I imagine he wants to go through spring and see what happens. That doesn't mean he wouldn't, you know, maybe make a change after that, depending on what happens. But, yeah, right now, Emory Jones is, is going to stay and, You've got Richardson and the Ohio State transfer, so it'll be a 
the quarterback room will be very talented if nobody else leaves. And it'll be very interesting competition in the spring. But, you know, the thing that uh, Billy Napier has had a chance to get around Emory, and, you know, he tweeted and talked about it, or his last press conference talked about what a great guy he is, and he's doing everything that's been asked of him. So Emory Jones is definitely a good teammate and a good guy to have around. I, I sense that there's a trend here. Tyrone Hopper's changed his mind about transferring. Now guys who were fleeing the program are, are now sticking around, and now recruits are suddenly showing new interest in us. I guess that's all Napier, right? Yeah, it is, and his staff, and they're they're working their butts off. And, you know, you, you read the tweets from some of these recruits, and they say that, you know, Napier comes in, he has a plan not just for the team but for individual recruits, and he tells them here's how you're going to be used. And I think that they like that, and, you know, a lot of the guys on the team now have bought into the fact that this plan, they do think it is going to work. And, you know, Gervon Dexter just tweeted earlier tonight that, you know, Billy Napier has a plan. Now we just have to execute it as a player. So I think the players have bought in already, and that's a huge thing for a new coach. No doubt about it. Robbie, Mike would like to ask you a question. Mike, how are you tonight? Doing great. How are you? Fantastic. You got a question for Robbie Andrew? Yes, but first I wanted to say that um, I wanted to throw my most loud moment. Uh, yes, sir. Kerwin Bell. Kerwin Bell took a day and a half to run in the end zone <laughs> yeah. in Auburn. 1986. That was, that was a good one, too. 86. <laughs> it was, yeah, coming off the bench when he was injured. So that was a great moment. But I wanted to ask Robbie what his favorite or most memorable road victory uh, that he covered for the Gators. Gosh, there's a lot of them. I think one of them was when they went up to Georgia in 95 and destroyed Georgia, and, you know, Spurrier kind of ran up the score on them a little bit. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> one of my all-time that, favorite memories. Yeah. <laughs> one of mine was 85 all on them. Yeah, there were, there were so many under the Spurrier era, though, that, you know, that one's way up there. You know, just the fact they went up there and just really embarrassed Georgia. And the funny thing is I had friends that went to the game, and somehow – they got in the press box after the game and got into Vince Dooley's luxury box and were drinking his booze while we were up there writing our story. So that probably adds to <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, how about you, Mike? What, what's, what's your favorite? Well, as far as um, a home game, I mean, that, that Auburn game, but I was actually there for the Auburn game two years ago when Michael P. Ryan ran that long run, and that was an amazing amazing atmosphere i mean that to me was when the swamp started to get back um to what it used to be so yeah, it definitely came back that day no question so robbie what are you doing now that you've retired gosh well let me think today i got kids ready for school i did laundry <laughs> work in the yard, but i'm staying busy it's been great it's fun i you hear you on past we... podcasts from time to time yeah, i'll go on and, there and once do a while great job on the radio. yeah oh thank you so, yeah, I'm staying a little bit busy, but not too busy, you know, and enjoying life at 67 years old. And a lot of years, a lot of years have gone by. So, well, it's, I it's all good right now. I hearing your stories, Robbie. You and Pat, and you guys uh, just are a wealth of, of knowledge when it comes to Gator football. So, I so appreciate it and enjoy it. Well, thanks. No Pat. doubt I really about it. I appreciate that. Mike, really thank you so much. We appreciate you thanks, calling. Mike. Appreciate you, Ronnie. All right. Good night. Thanks, All right. Mike. You know, it, I don't know if it counts as a road game, Robbie. Uh, the 93 SEC championship game in Birmingham where we beat Alabama, <laughs> yeah. that was one of my all-time favorites. Oh, that was a great one, yeah. <laughs> in the cold and the rain, too. <laughs> yeah, it, even it really was. Shane Edge. <laughs> I remember him running for that first down 
in that game. And uh, I think the most intense game I think I've ever seen on the field was that 85 Florida Auburn game at Auburn. Um, yeah, that was a classic. Bo Jackson, uh, I think, took himself out of that one and it was the first yeah. time we ever went to number one. And, uh, and of course, what happened the next week, Ronnie? They got dominated by I Georgia. know. <laughs> it, and you know, the funny thing about that is Kerwin Bell threw for over 400 yards in that game and we scored three I know. points. Four- yeah, 408 yards, but couldn't get in the end zone. But Ronnie and uh, Coach Joe, one of my favorite road wins is when I was a young guy when I wasn't working yet was the 73 Auburn game when they went up there for the first time and they put uh, Don Gaffney in at quarterback yeah. for the first time. That, that, to me, is one of the great road wins in Florida history. Oh, yeah, that that was a good one. We've had a couple of good ones in Auburn. That 97 game, even though that wasn't a great season for the Gators. Uh, when, uh, yeah, they that was Jacquez Green's game. The Jacquez Green game. I, I, yeah. I enjoyed that one. And, uh, oh, you know, speaking of loud, we almost don't want to ever forget this game, the 82 game against Southern Cal uh, yes, in Gainesville. Sir. That that uh, that was, if there was a day when the being a Gator got in my blood, <laughs> it was that day, you know. Because uh, I had actually been there in 81, and I enjoyed yeah. it and stuff, but, but that was tame compared to uh, what 82 was. 82 was yeah. was a promising season, and we got better yeah. until 84 when we got really good. But 82 yeah. when Coach, we beat USC, that yeah. was an amazing game, the Wilbur Marshall Yeah, Coach Joe, Coach Joe, I covered that game, and one of my uh, best memories of that is being on the sideline, and Charlie Pell took a victory lap around the field. And oh, that, yeah. That, to me, was an awesome kind <laughs> yeah. of moment where, you know, something that never really happened at Florida Field, and you thought, God, this program's really going to take off now but unfortunately <laughs> you know things went the wrong way in the next couple of years oh, okay well let me ask you this uh, the best team ever at uf and i'm going to give you some choices 1984 1995 1996 2006 2008 yeah I'm, you know I, I'm, I'm gonna say the 1996 team even though they, they lost that game at fsu they, that team was so loaded with talent and were so good and they dominated so many people in the conference. So, to me, that that's the team that – and you look at who the head coach was. I think they would have beaten Galen Hall's 84 team and Urban Meyer's championship teams too. That's just kind of the way I feel about it. You know, you put Spurrier with the headphones on and, and that talent he had then, that was a tough team to beat. It's hard to pick against Steve Spurrier. I think the most talented team was 84. I mean, they had depth in the kicking game. Remember you had David Nardoni was the backup punter. and Oh, he, yeah. He could kick the ball like a nine iron. I mean, it was like he could tell you which way it was going to bounce. It would bounce yeah. left or right. And then Chris Perkins was the backup kicker, and the kicker that started was Bobby Raymond. And if you remember in that 84 FSU game, Galen Hall tried to call timeout with like three seconds left, and people saying, why are you doing that? Raymond needed one more attempt. He didn't have to hit it. He just needed yeah. one more attempt to set the NCAA record. And yeah. uh, I ran into Chris Perkins in the uh, Gainesville Sporting uh, Arena one time. And uh, you see if you remember this. I thought his field goal was really 61 yards. And he said the same thing. And he said that back then there was a professor at UF that determined that. He sat in a press box and he determined that. And he said, he told him later, he said, well, really it was 61 yards, but I put it down as 60 which is still the SEC record tied twice. Yeah. But, you know, when it happened, Ronnie, I think you're right. I think it went down at 61 yards that day. But, you know, back to that 84 team, look at that the backfield and the offensive line. Oh, that yeah. That came unbelievable. Yeah. Four, four first-round draft picks on offense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> un- unreal. 
really incredible with Lomas Brown and Ricky Natil and uh, Neil Anderson. Yeah. Neil Anderson, wow. He, Lorenzo he was Hampton. really good, Lorenzo Hampton. Yeah, John L. Williams. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> A lot of talent. <laughs> oh, there was, no doubt about it. Robbie, what's your uh, favorite away stadium to go to? I think, um, Ronnie, I would have to say, you know, LSU's okay, but not great. But to me, Auburn was always great, the way the stadium was when we covered them here kind of in the middle of it and it's all open and the atmosphere is pretty incredible when you know when the war eagle comes flying in before the game it's a great setting for a college football game and it's really loud and just great atmosphere and you know florida's had problems up there before but they've also had some big wins up there but man it's a real tough place to play when they're good they're they're hard to beat that's that is a loud place they they uh that 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 seen some amazing games there. I've only been to uh, Neyland Stadium once, two, it, but it was a good one, 2000. Uh, still, still makes me happy to see how sad the Tennessee fans were leaving that game. <laughs> yeah, it's always good, always good to win up there, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. You know, and it's sad for us because uh, we got to let you go now. <laughs> but <laughs> but it'll make us real happy if you can come back and join us again soon, Robbie. Yeah, well, anytime, guys. It's been a lot of fun. It always is when I'm on with you guys. We appreciate it, Robbie, and uh, you're such a wealth of information and just such a good person. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Ronnie and Coach Joe. I really enjoy it. I'll talk to you again soon, I hope. All right. The great Robbie Robbie. Andrew. Thank you. See you, guys. All right. Well, I tell you what, we just have one great guest after another. We we Talk about stacking the deck. This is a fun night. Yeah, Man, I'll tell you what, (laughs) with us on the line right now is Reggie Williams. He was a linebacker at Dartmouth University. And he went there not on a football scholarship, but on an academic scholarship. And he played with our good friend, the late, great Ken Riley with the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, he was an all-Ivy League linebacker. He was also the Ivy League heavyweight wrestling champion at Dartmouth College. It's our pleasure to have with us Reggie Williams. Reggie, welcome back to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Ronnie and Coach Joe, it's really a pleasure to be back on your show. It's always a great time whenever the memory of Ken Riley is raised. He's one of the best teammates ever had from high school, college, or pro. He's simply a gem. Wow. We could not disagree with that at all. I'll tell you what, he became such a good friend to the show. You know, Coach Joe and I both helped him promote his um, event that he had. You came down here. So many great players came to that and every one of them said the same thing you did they came because of Ken Riley and what a great human being he was and you know I think you and Ken seemed to have something in common in the way you played both of you not only had football acumen but both of you were highly intelligent am I wrong in that you had 16 interceptions which is a lot for a linebacker and talk about did your intellect play into you getting so many interceptions you know you're absolutely right i mean not only was i blessed with a Rhodes scholar uh candidate and ken riley uh as uh my corner once the bengals drafted ross browner i had a notre dame defensive end and so that's how we were able to coordinate in the early stages of the zone blitz that uh was so popularized by Coach LeBeau with the Steelers. But it all started with the fact that Ken could talk to me. He could talk to me through the game. And I, I learned to listen to his voice even in my <laughs> sleep because I'm telling you, I, I've been hit by a blindside hit uh, twice. 
And the first time I heard Kenny's voice, but I didn't comprehend. And then the second time I got hit by the blind uh, shot, I heard his voice as my feet were over my head. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I am going to be listening to Ken Riley in my sleep, and I never got cro- uh, uh, blindsided another time in my career under Ken. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know, and, and the other thing that you had in common with him, you were NFL Man of the Year, and, and Ken was that kind of person, too. He was so quiet, though. And um, I think you would agree that he deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, I absolutely uh, believe that Ken Riley uh, should have been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame while he was alive. You know, you're absolutely right. He was such a humble player. He just never talked any kind of smack. And unlike, uh, you know, leaping, you know, Lamar Parrish, who, who was on the side. <laughs> Leap- Leaper would be just talking, 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 talking. And uh, Rattler wouldn't say a word. He just did his job. Oh, Rattler, I, I love that nickname. Of course, that comes from the fact that he played at Florida A&M. And he played for the great Jake Gaither. And Jake yes, Gaither did. had a great saying. He said, I want my football players to be hostile, mobile, and agile. And uh, when you get some of the FAMU guys together with Ken, they used to tease him because he was the quarterback at FAMU. And they said, yeah, we had to ride that old broken-down bus. He said, yeah, Riley got to ride with Coach to the game in his car. You know, they used to tease him. And Ken, Ken would get embarrassed, I think, at that. He probably would. You know, he, he was very humble. He, he didn't want to stand out from the crowd. He wanted to be one of the fellas. Uh, he was really the only Alpha Phi Alpha that I played with my whole career. So we had something, you know, a special bond even beyond the brotherhood that goes on on the football field. So, um, yeah, you know, all of these great memories come back because the Cincinnati Bengals have finally won a playoff game. This whole time I've been in Florida, <laughs> came here in 1993 to start the sports business at Disney. The whole time I've been in Florida, they've never won a playoff game. It's only 31 so years. This, only 31 years. But I tell you, you know, I came down here, you know, believing that we were one of the best teams in the NFL, having just come off of a Super Bowl. And to all of a sudden, so quickly, lose your swagger so you get the team. You know, it really was something, uh, you know, unique to being in Florida. And Florida, obviously – you know, has champion, you know, pedigree, you know, with uh, starting with uh, Miami Dolphins, you know, under Coach Shula. So, you know, they're their only undefeated team in NFL history. So there's a lot of kudos to the state of Florida. And then obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won their first Super Bowl when they did their training camp for the first time at Wide World of Sports, sports complex that I built for Disney. So Coach Gruden was hired in the middle of that offseason so contractually, he had to abide by the training camp that I created, and they won the Super Bowl. So <laughs> now they've won it again, which obviously is uh, not only credit to the whole Buccaneer organization, but you know Tom Brady has shown himself to be one of the most amazing competitors and winners in NFL football history. I mean, I used to always think since he took two Super Bowl rings for me that Joe Montana was that guy. <laughs> no. Tom Brady. <laughs> well, it's probably just a coincidence, Reggie, that uh, Cincinnati started to go into the uh, tank right after you retired. <laughs> so that's that's well, when all the bad times like, began. It is, mm-hmm. it is a coincidence. And, and one of the things I do 
take a lot of pride in is the leadership that we had. I mean, you work with great leadership. We had great leadership on the other side of the ball with Kenny Anderson and Boomer Sison and great performers, you know, from Isaac Curtis all the way to, you know, even Icky Woods and his stellar one season uh, for the Bengals. So I was very, very uh, proud to play for the Bengals. You know, I wanted to make Paul Brown proud. And uh, Mike Brown, who is his son and now the general manager, you know, he was a Dartmouth quarterback. So we have a special relationship as well. And I'm so happy for him and for the family and everyone that's contributed. This is a team that they've uh, fought for, especially after Marvin Lewis, who had such success in the regular season, but just couldn't win one in the playoffs. So I'm so happy for the whole organization. Well, uh, Red, Reggie Williams, our guest tonight, 682-1430, if you want to talk to him, 682-1430. You know, I think you made a lot of people proud, Reggie, uh, winning the Wizard White NFL Man of the Year then and the NFL Man of the Year after that, and Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. Uh, you know, th- and this would have been – uh, in the la- latter stages of your career, you were known for your humanitarian work, and uh, y- you really were a leader on and off the field in the NFL. Well, I appreciate that recognition. I love the game, and I love the fans of Cincinnati. They deserve all the good things that they've waited so so patiently for. And so um, I-, I look forward to uh, them uh, surprising and shocking the world by beating the Titans in Tennessee. <laughs> Reggie, we get we have a lot of youngsters that listen to the show, and one of the things we like to emphasize, especially with someone like you that clearly did this, is the importance of not only being a great player but the academic side of it. You know, when you walked away, you became the vice president and general manager of the New York, New Jersey Knights in the World Football League, and that wasn't be- just because you were a great player but because you had the intellect to do that. And the same thing you mentioned, you actually – oversaw the creation of Disney's Wide World of Sports. Talk about the balance that you had between sports and your academics. Well, you know, there there is no difference between uh, thinking academically in the classroom and thinking academically on the football field. It's all about quenching your curiosity, you know, and doing it in a, you know, uh, consistent manner to uh, educate yourself and to compete against your adversary. Um, and in, it's same in the classroom. You know, you don't want to be, you know, the, the, uh, the dumbest guy in the room asking uh, you know, the ridiculous <laughs> questions, you know. And the same thing is on, on the football field, the same thing can happen. So if you think, you know, uh, you know mathematically, on the football field, you can cover uh, distance when you're trying to break up a pass more efficiently. When you're rushing the, the quarterback and you understand physics and you can use your leverage to outman a bigger, stronger guy, those are the things that, you know, uh, satisfy that quest for knowledge. And so uh, very, very proud that I was able to you know, uh, enjoy learning. My, my parents brought me up that way. I was born hearing impaired. I used to go to Michigan school for the deaf. Um, there was always a stigma, you know, if you didn't hear things or you couldn't enunciate, people thought that you had a mental problem. So 
I was very diligent to everyone. My parents told me that, you know, there was nothing that could stand in my way if I put the work in. And uh, my parents, uh, you know, got married young, and they ended up getting their high school diploma while they were raising the kids. So we'd all be sitting around the kitchen table after dinner doing our homework. Wow, what a great well, that story. Stands up. Uh, that, that's, that's amazing. Uh, Reggie, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, you mentioned Dickie Woods, by the way. He uh, he made an appearance at that playoff game last week uh, when when you guys beat the Raiders. This week, it's Cincinnati is at Tennessee. The game is yeah, up. that was great. He was uh, he was ruler of the jungle, and he was a great choice. <laughs> yes, the shuffle. And it's it's very important he, he, to, to, to to we remind everybody about the icky shuffle from time to time because it it's iconic. And uh, he was he was tremendous in the last uh, time the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl and Super Bowl twenty three, which was in South Florida in Miami. Uh, I didn't make it to that game, Reggie, but I did get to the parties beforehand, so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, oh, you uh, avoided the, the the riots too, then. <laughs> it was yeah, it was a crazy time down yeah, there. Overtown, yeah, yeah. overtown, that yeah. was burning. Yeah, it was a very crazy time down in in Miami. I remember I remember it very well. Um, but uh, I we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, tonight and, join, and we appreciate everything you've done for this area uh over time and i, I just want to leave you with this uh, joe burrow is he the kind of leader to get cincinnati uh the kind of leader that ken anderson was the kind of leader boomer sison was to get the bengals back to the super bowl he has that kind of confidence that you know any great quarterback has has but he leads the thing that i saw that really impressed me was he came to a game with a t-shirt on with a picture of his three wide receivers, giving them those kind of props. And so I think he's – I never saw Kenny Anderson <laughs> or Boomer do that for, you know, any of their wide receivers. So Joe Burrow's a special leader. And uh, uh, hopefully, you know, uh, his ability to come back from that injury in just a year says a lot about his work ethic. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. I'll just uh, leave you with, uh, if anyone's interested in hearing more great stories, I have my book, Resilient by Nature, that uh, you can order from Amazon, or I have a TEDx talk. So always appreciate you inviting me on your show, Ron and Coach Joe, okay? Thank you so much, Reggie. Really appreciate oh, Reggie, it. And, thank uh, you very tell much. Tell us the name of your book one more time. Resilient by Nature. The uh, it's written in collaboration with Jared Bell, and the Ford is written by Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. And that can people can get that on Amazon. They can get that on Amazon. All right, Reggie, thank you so much. All right, thank you both. All Have a great right. evening. Thanks, Happy Reggie. New Year. Happy New Year to you too. The great Reggie Williams. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back. We might have that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House for you. So you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Nat Moore, former Florida Gator running back and former Miami Dolphin wide receiver. And you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. All right. I remember back in 72, 73, the Gators be chanting, one, two, three, four, give the ball to Nat Moore. Man, I tell you what, that guy was something else. One of my favorite players of all time. Oh, me too. College and pro. And a classy guy too, no doubt. Well, I know right now you're hungry, you're thirsty, you can't wait 
You want to go out to Miller's Lakeland Alehouse. You want to see those 40 strategically located television sets. You cannot wait. You want to practice. You want to see, you want to sample those 40 or the uh, nightly drink and meal specials. Great place for those NFL games. No doubt. This weekend. I'm hungry. No already. doubt. I'm hungry. 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 Do not take the Clarkster with you. <laughs> Do not take the Clarkster with you. Oh, man. You will get nothing to eat. Coach Joe, you got a great sports quiz tonight. Yes, I do, because we were just talking to Reggie Williams. We thank him for being on the show, and obviously Robbie Andrew, we thank him as well, uh, our guests tonight. But uh, Reggie was talking about the Cincinnati Bengals winning a playoff game for the first time since 1990. They had had the longest drought in the NFL uh, without a playoff win. Now, there's three teams I'm going to name, and they have a long drought themselves. Uh, But which of these three has the longest drought since they last won a playoff game? Is it A, the Raiders? B, the Dolphins, or C, the Lions? Uh, Raiders, Dolphins, or Lions? Which team of those three has gone the longest since they last won a playoff game? Now now that the Bengals are off the schneid. (laughs) 682-1430. At 682-1430, if you haven't won the last six months, give us a call, and you could be going out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, and you could have that $30 gift certificate. And you can eat and drink a lot for $30 out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and they uh, great, great food out there. The wings are terrific, and the uh, they take good care of you out there. I always love the big pretzel, too, you know, because they have the great beer cheese sauce <laughs> with that and the mustard. Oh, man, it's amazing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, Coach Joe and I practice what we preach on that. We both love going to the Ale House and uh, going in there watching football games and uh, – you know, the staff is so nice. You go out there, and, and Jorge's really assembled a great staff out there. And uh, you go in there, they take care of you. Uh, you know, they keep your drinks full, and uh, they, they just do a fantastic job. They make you feel welcome. I think that's the critical factor. Oh, yeah, they do They do a terrific job. And uh, we, had a, we had a great time last week watching some uh, football out there. And oh, I, I, had, I enjoyed the fact that there was uh, extra – playoff games, you know, because sometimes the playoff season in the NFL is a little bit short. Now, a lot of people are saying, yeah, but look, the uh, seven, the two seven seeds, the extra teams that got in, they both got killed. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily the point. Uh, it, the point is there's more action. And we saw a classic playoff game between the three and the six with Dallas and San Francisco, yeah, uh, he, he, which had a, a really crazy ending. The whole last minute of that game, did he get the first <laughs> down? Yes, he did. No, he, he, they did a re- replay review. And then so the 49ers decide to go for it. They sneak for the first down. That's the end of the game. Wait, they jumped. They jumped early. So that's now they have to punt. Now Dallas has one more chance and they get into position and they they run the they run a quarterback sneak or quarterback draw with only 14 seconds left and with no chance to get out of bounds. Oh man, it's yeah, that, <laughs> that was really questionable. Coach Joe, you had another great sports quiz. Let's give them a choice. Oh, okay, give them the other sure. sports quiz and they can answer either one they want. Well, this one I had in my pocket from uh, a couple of weeks ago when Kirby Smart, uh, the Georgia coach, won the national title for his alma mater, Georgia. That's only been done three other times. And so I'm going to name four coaches. So that means one, which one did not win a national championship for his alma mater? Was it uh, A, Steve Spurrier, B, uh, Bear Bryant, C, Phil Fulmer, or D, Bobby Bowden? Of those four national championship winning coaches, which did not win for his alma mater? Was it Spurrier, Fulmer, uh, Bear Bryant, or Bobby Bowden? 682-1430, if you haven't won the last six months, you got two choices there. 
I mean, and they're multiple choice questions. Right, Come on. Yeah, yeah. Six, eight, two, fourteen, thirty. Man, oh man. You should at least take a guess, guys. For yeah. thirty dollars at the Lakeland Ale House. Yeah. Uh, trust me, you're gonna you can have a great time there. And you don't have to pay us thirty dollars if you get it wrong. No, no. You just you know, Eric. Eric will take your information. We pass the information on to the Ale House, and then you show up there and say you're the sports quiz winner. You don't have to come to the station. You don't have to come out of your way. You, you show up there within thirty days, and uh, you tell them in advance, "Hey, I'm here for the sports quiz. They've got your name all set and That's right. good to go." And uh, and, and they'll they'll take thirty dollars off your bill. Boom. Yeah, you don't have to take a COVID test, no DNA, <laughs> nah. no firstborn male child. I mean, how much simpler can it get? No, they know exactly what to do, and they'll take good care of you. You know, they uh, they do they do such a great job there, and and you'll you'll enjoy the food so much. And hey, if you save some room for dessert for that Captain Jack, oh man, is that good stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's got like uh, kind of an ice cream peanut butter, uh, and, and it's got a cookie crust on there. It's an amazing. Uh, pie slash cake and it's, it's called health food well it's enormous and you're going to need to have help with you not necessarily eric eric eats two of the three of those as a snack but <laughs> <laughs> somebody but, call me for dinner <laughs> but uh, you get you get three people with three spoons and you can you can do a number on that thing it's it's, it's enormous especially if you've uh, had a chance to have the pretzel and maybe some soup and some uh, some wings and some uh, maybe burgers are great there too oh my god oh yeah so i love much, their burgers so much that, good food that is one of my favorites out there no doubt about it. Well, you know, you mentioned the Cowboys, and I don't know what they were thinking. When you run that quarterback draw, okay, it gained, I think, 14, 15 yards, 18 yards, something like that. It, yeah, it gained almost too much yardage. Yeah, Probably Dak should have gone right. down sooner. <laughs> yeah, it gained too much yardage. And I did not know that that was the rule, that the referee had to touch the ball to spot it, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, otherwise – if, if the offense is spotting the ball, they look over see where's the first down marker is, and they just move it up there. So that makes a lot of sense. And I, I don't know if the Cowboys knew that rule or not. But it didn't look like it. No, it didn't. And but, but the thing to me is, okay, you could have thrown two Hail Mary passes, two chances to throw the ball in the end zone, and they didn't do that, so that they denied themselves. You should be able to run – Three plays in 14 seconds, at least three plays in 14 seconds. If you do it right, you could, you, you know, and, and they ran one instead. And and the second one that they tried to get off was going to be a, a, a spike to stop the clock. Uh, they're just, they were cutting it close. They were taking a chance because everything has to go exactly right when you have that little amount of time left and you run a play that takes as much time as that one did. I think uh, Dak actually, um, by the time he the play was dead. There was only about seven seconds to go. That means everybody's got to get into formation. The official has to spot the ball, and uh, and they have to get lined up and set. You know, in college football, Ronnie, uh, if if the spike, if if at the time of the snap there's less than three seconds, if there's two or one second left, and the quarterback s- spikes the ball, it's by rule the there's no time left. You have to, if you're going to spike the ball to stop the clock, there has to be at least three seconds on the clock at the time of the snap. Mm. That's the college rule. They don't have that in, in the Co- NFL. Coach Joe, go ahead and we've only got three minutes left in the show. Go ahead and give the two questions again. All right, I'll, I'll give them. Uh, I'll give the easier one first. Uh, Cincinnati just won their first playoff game in uh, since 1990, which they had had the longest drought since they had last won a playoff game. Now I'm going to name three teams. Which of these three has the longest drought? But since they won a playoff game, is it uh, the Raiders, the Dolphins, or the Lions? 
which has gone which of those three teams has gone the longest without winning an NFL playoff game? And the second question is about the coaches winning the college football national championship for their alma mater. Kirby Smart just did it. He's one of four coaches to do it. Uh, so uh, the other three are one of the uh, the other three include maybe Steve Spurrier, Phil Fulmer, uh, Bear Bryant, or Bobby Bowden. The other three are in that list, but one of them doesn't belong. Which one doesn't belong in the list of coaches who've won a national championship for their alma mater? Again, Spurrier, Fulmer, Bear Bryant, or Bobby Bowden. Uh, that Kirby Smart, the fourth coach to ever win a national title as coach of his alma mater. 682-1430. That's 682-1430. You can call up and you can get that $30 somebody, gift certificate. Somebody it's call easy. Take a Here, chat. We're, we're going to yeah. throw a third one in there. This one's a lame one for me. But name one Ivy League school. One Ivy League school. There you go. 682 1430. You've got three different You don't different have to go questions. to one or get no, admitted. You just have to right. name it. That's right. That's right. Sounds like Celebrity Jeopardy. This isn't scientific. You don't have to be a scientific rocket to be able to do this. So 682 1430. You've got three different questions. I mean, Good golly molly. Come we're, on. We're, we're basically, if you can dial the phone to get yeah. a hold of us, yeah. we're, we're, we're trying to give this $30 away. I know. I mean, it'd be like Eric, you know, giving away $8 million. You know, it's just not much. <laughs> All right. We finally got a caller that's hungry and thirsty. So I'm, I'm so glad well, I was well, worried that we weren't going to get a caller. Yeah, I don't know. We're having such a great show tonight. And no, we've already had a caller, Mike, who called uh, with a question for Robbie Andrew. It's been such a fun night here at, in the Ozone. We had some great guests, Ronnie. And uh, BJ's All right, BJ, how are you? Game, uh, it's only got about 30 this. seconds left in the show. So uh, which question are you answering? Oh, I was going to try to answer at least two of them. Go, just, one. Right, one good one. Give us one good one. <laughs> Oh, one good one. Uh, Ivy League school. <laughs> go ahead. Harvard. No, you got it. You got <laughs> it. Hang go. on the line, and Eric will get your information, and we'll send you out there with that $30 gift certificate. So hang on the line, and Eric will take your information. He'll take your firstborn male child, all your money. No, he won't Congratulations, BJ. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hang on the line, all right? All right. Thanks.